Hello, and welcome to the IBCD Care and Discipleship Podcast. I'm Craig Marshall, and with me today is Scott Mel, and we are on site here at the IBCD Summer Institute 2018. And uh, Scott, it's great to have you with us today. It's good to be here. It's a privilege, actually, and it's, it's, it's fun to see you, Craig. That's great. It's fun <laughs> to see you as well. My favorite places to be and, and people to be with. Can you tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself since if they haven't listened in the last four years, they yeah. don't know who you are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm a pastor in West Los Angeles, kind of the Santa Monica area. been there for 13 years. We planted the church uh, 13 years ago and the Lord's been just gracious to us over that time. It's, it's um, I mean, for us, it's really home at this point. It's, uh, we love the city and we love the people in the city, I think, more than anything. And so um, love just the privilege of getting to minister there. I'm married, have four kids. Uh, right now they are 12, 10, uh, 7, and 6. So uh, actually kind of pretty fun ages. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're, they're all independent. They can all like, you know, put on their own clothes and tie their own shoes. And, and we don't quite have teenagers yet. So it's kind of a sweet spot. Right. That's nice. That's very nice. I mean, nothing against teenagers listening. We, we, God right. loves you too. And we're glad you're listening. That's right. Um, <laughs> um, can you, so what got you into biblical counseling or what, what gets you here speaking at a conference? Yeah. I mean, it was, well, it was church planting actually okay. that got me into counseling uh, just because all of a sudden I was, we were there um, ministering to and caring for people. And I realized that, I mean, it's, it's kind of a typical story for, I think, a lot of pastors, but I realized that seminary didn't prepare me for the vast majority of the practical issues that people were facing. And so you know, I knew how to study and I knew how to preach, but when it came to really shepherding and loving and caring for people around me, I knew, I knew we needed more. And actually, at that point, I'd only had one biblical counseling class. And and so, I mean, the thought in my head was, I, I think what I'm looking for might be biblical counseling. And so I, I began to dig in more um, and look more into that. And, and honestly, for, for me, it was like finding a gold mine, okay. um, just seeing the deep understanding of people's problems and the deep understanding of, of God's word and seeing how the two connected um, how the dots connected, I mean, in ways, and it connected, made connections in my mind that um, I'd never even seen before. I mean, it just mm -hmm. exploded with meaning. And so it, it was kind of, as a part of that, I pursued a, a doctorate in biblical counseling from Southern, and um, and that just gave me a passion to help share those dynamics and share the um, the truth of God's word and how applicable it is to every corner and every issue in life uh, with with others as well. But mainly really starting with our local church. Mm. Uh, but then um, any opportunity, anybody wants to talk about that, I'd, I'd love the opportunity to. So that was, uh, was that ballpark 13 years ago? You yeah, probably, yeah, probably when I started. Ago. Yeah, yeah. And so um, it was maybe a couple of years as I was like dabbling, looking into that, then went to, um, went to Southern and from LA okay. uh, while I was pastor in the church and, and graduated from there in, um, 2012, I okay. would say. Yeah. yeah. In in that journey, has, has your um, thoughts of biblical counseling changed and progressed or have you, you kind of came across it and it's like this gold mine and then yeah, yeah. is there a disillusionment phase or how has that been for you? <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's a great question. I mean, I, th I think it's gone in a number of different um, processes where I, I or a number of different seasons where I maybe even come to question again, like, mm -hmm. oh, wait, is this like, is this really true? 
and dig deeper. And it causes me to dig deeper in. And every time I do, I find that it's even truer and even more applicable than um, than I even realized. And so I, I do definitely think that there are seasons, even, even as I teach it, right? As I like teach it to our people, as I teach it at conferences, like I ask the question like, okay, let me just make sure again, right? Like that's actually really true. Because I don't want to say it just because it sounds good and people like it, or I don't want to, you know, share it with somebody just because it's just because it's helpful, but it needs to be true. Um, and actually, I think I feel like the thing that has reaffirmed the sufficiency of Scripture to me over and over and over again is the act of just actually counseling people and discipling people. When I'm when I see how applicable, it, it, it makes me see how applicable the and powerful the Scriptures are to the diversity of all sorts of problems. And there, there's sometimes when I sit with somebody and, you know, they start describing their struggles with me and I'm like, oh my gosh, like not only do I not know what to say to you, like I'm not even sure what scripture says to you. But when I take that, you know, kind of panicked motivation and when that causes me to, 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 to dig down deeper into God's word and to search for it, um, there's truth and answers always there. And number one, being able to always find that just reinforces that, uh, the significance of that sufficiency of scripture. Um, but also seeing it genuinely transform people's lives. I mean, there's nothing like that. And, and, and in ways that couldn't happen if it was just up to my what, what I say or my helpful thoughts or my listening ear. Mm-hmm. God does transformation that's so much... Uh, bigger and so much deeper than anything I could ever do. And so when you see that over and over and over again, it just reinforces the reality of that. Actually, I think, I mean, I think the times that I doubt it the most Mm -hmm. are the times when maybe even my own heart has drifted from scripture a bit or my own experience has drifted from people. Um, I think that those are the times where I doubt the most. And when I dig in and and in those moments, I see the reality of it afresh again. I think that's really helpful because I, I, I can think of in my own coming to understand this and just practice of it, um, both personally and then institutionally or whatever, there, there can be ebbs and flows in our own heart that way. And then I think too of just our listeners and maybe they're just listening and it's this gold mine phase and all exciting and yeah, this is, this is it. And then when that discouragement hits or that distance grows, you can mm. think, well, maybe this wasn't it. Maybe I just got excited about something like yeah, another yeah, yeah. trend or something like that. You yeah. Know? So. Yeah, and that, I mean, that, I think that happens to all of us. Mm-hmm. And and the things that are true are the things that that we see being able to weather those ups and downs right. uh, that we come back to again and again. And What have you found? So you came into biblical counseling. You found answers really helpful. You pursued a degree in that. Yeah. And then, so you get all this training, but then you have a church. How how do you not just make that all about your training and you're the one doing all this and involving the church in one another care? Yeah. I mean, that was really, I think for, for me, the, the biggest passion of it all along. And it's part of why, um, I'm, I'm so thankful for programs like a DMIN program that, that facilitates that, um, nothing against the PhDs out there. They're or amazing teenagers. people. Yeah. Teenagers, teenagers PhDs. PhDs. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thank you. But for I know for me and for my role in the local church, mm-hmm. right, if I'm going to be a local church pastor, like uh, a PhD can be helpful to the church broadly, but it, 
it wasn't what was going to help equip directly the people in in our congregation. So I think in one sense that helped mm-hmm. um, specifically in just kind of the direction of that program. Um, but secondly, I, I got to see and, and take kind of everything I was doing and apply it through equipping to our local church and really not just to our counselors, but my heart was to apply it to all of our small group leaders, all of our disciples, basically anybody doing personal ministry, that this is what they would be equipped with. And I think one of the things that drew me into the degree program specifically, and just to do, and by the degree program, it's not really about the degree, but just a season of intense study, I think is what I would call that. Um, and how that would take shape, I a season of intense study takes different shapes in different people's lives and ministries, regardless of the degree. But what drove me into that season of intense study wasn't just that I needed to figure these things out for myself, but it was the reality that even when I did know how to counsel someone, even when, when I did know where to turn in scripture, I, I didn't know how to tell anybody else how to do that. <laughs> you know, like I, I could do it. And I, and, but the main reason I could do it was because I'd been to seminary and I'd done all this studying. And so like those things were there. And so if I was talking to a small group leader, I'm like, yeah, you should do this too. And they're like, how? I'm like, I don't know. Just, it, it comes to you, right? <laughs> you know? Um, and, and they're like, no, it doesn't. And so I had to figure out how can I equip them with uh, the biblical knowledge and the understanding of people to be able to minister to one another. To, to, because, I mean, the, the bulk of the ministry that takes place in our local churches is happening in those one-on-one relationships, in small groups. They're not, it's not happening in a conversation with a pastor, and it's not happening in a, even in a conversation with a counselor. Now, there's significant ministry happening there. But the vast majority of the ministry is happening in small groups, in interpersonal relationships. And so I think our job, and I mean, Ephesians 4 talks about this, right? Like our job as pastors, one of our primary roles is to equip the saints, to equip the entire church for the work of ministry. And so um, I think early on, the knowledge I was getting, like it, it, it created in, in me just this longing and this desire to not just equip pastors with it or even just equip counselors with it, but that the entire church and really anybody in any type of um, leadership role would be equipped with it. I, I was just talking to a friend just the other night, like three nights ago, and was he was concerned about somebody else in our community group. And I was just conveying to him, too, his responsibility. That, that, that concern is your responsibility to minister to, to disciple that person. And he's like, well, I'm not sure I'd call it discipleship. I'm like, okay, I don't care what you call it. Right? You can call it whatever you want. But, but this is a responsibility God's given you to speak truth in love and to reach out and to care for and to speak the truth into this person's life. And, and, and my job as a pastor is to help equip him so that he can do that, not to like say, okay, get out of the way, I'll call him, Right. Um, cause I don't have the capacity for that. Right. And that's not how God designed his church. Yeah. Right. But to, to equip them along the way. Yeah. And so sometimes it's get out of the way. I'll just call them. Or yeah. a lot of times I find people are coming to you. Hey, will you call them? Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, 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 like, yeah. 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 Hey, why don't you call them? And I'll, I'll walk you through what you'll be saying to this brother, sister. Exactly. You know, exactly. I think that takes all sorts of the equip, the help in that, helping them do that. Um, takes all sorts of different forms. Mm-hmm. I mean, it comes in, I mean, first of all, it comes in just biblical preaching, mm-hmm. right? Just preaching biblically helps equip a church to do that. But then more practically, it comes in whether it's classes or specific equipping through passages or books or on different issues. And it happens just one-on-one saying like, yeah, you call him 
And then if you have questions, you don't know what to do, you get stuck, like, let's talk. Let's pray through this. You know, we'll walk through this together, but helping and helping them see. And I think that most people in the church lack confidence far more than they lack equipping. I think they have actually a lot of the truth that other people need. Um, they just they don't feel like they're the ones that are supposed to say it, or they don't feel like they can say it. But when we give them the confidence to say, "No, you you know more than you realize," and if you know the gospel, and you if you know the gospel and you spend time in scripture with any type of regularity, you're in a great place to be able to speak truth into the lives of those around you, and that's exactly what God's calling you to do. That's one of the things that I found so helpful about counseling observation was just realizing like, oh, it's not all these trick ninja passages that they go to. (laughs) It's like passages I've read and I know what they say, but it's just, have I thought in my own life how that passage applies? And then can I sit there and help another person think of how that applies? But it's it's stuff we already knew. And sometimes we make that so complicated. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. To the small group leader or just person in the church who's saying, yeah, but I don't know how. Um, where do you send them? What are things? So obviously, as a pastor, you're able to be implementing things in your own church, and mm-hmm. so that's a large part of what you're doing. But yeah. um, what are pragmatic things just for our listeners to think about if they're saying, "I really don't feel equipped to enter into someone's life this way"? Yeah, I mean, I think first of all, I'd say you should turn to the resources at ibcd.org. <laughs> wow. Ding. (laughs) No, I mean, that's a part of it. I think there's, like IBCD, I think there's a lot of places to find good resources and to get equipped. Sure. Um, Honestly, though, that's probably not the first thing I would tell Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. The the first thing I would tell them is, okay, let's open up our our God's word and and see what it is you're called to do, Hmm. right? And if you're like, oh, I'm not equipped to, like, I'm not sure where to start. Okay, what are you called to do? And and scripture calls them really simply first to, to just love that person. Just to love them, like mm-hmm. to actually care, to be, to be genuinely concerned enough because they care about the person, and then to to start to start by just spending time with them and being intentional with them, listening, asking questions, and getting to know the person because they if they know the Word of God. I mean, when I sit down with somebody for the first time, and I mean, some of your listeners may have heard me teach before because I say this a lot, but when I when I when I sit down with somebody for the first time, that's what goes through my mind. I think, man, I have no idea what to say to you, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, yeah. happens every time. Why? Because I don't know what to say to them. I, I haven't listened long enough mm-hmm. to really understand who they are, where, what's going on in their life, and in order for God's word to, for the dots to be even connected in my mind. So one of the first things I do is just, just slow down and listen. Yeah. Spend time listening. And, then, and if you're spending time listening to the person, and you're spending time daily listening to God and his word, the dots are going to get connected, mm-hmm. right? Just being faithfully loving them in those ways, you're going to find ways you're like, oh, you know what? I should, there's probably some ways I should serve you and care for you. You, you know what? There's actually probably some things that I should say to you. There's probably some truth. You know, I, actually, the way you said that, it reminds me that that doesn't sound exactly right. It doesn't sound completely true. Mm-hmm. Or that sounds completely true and I should affirm you. Right? I should encourage you. I should tell you, yeah, you're on the right track. And it's hard, but let's keep going. But I think sometimes slowing down and I think people don't know what to do because they're looking for the magic pill, right? They're looking for the silver bullet that's going to solve everything. Yeah. 
and it's like going to a mechanic type thing yeah. like yeah well i don't know how to fix their water pump or something it's like it's not a mechanic metaphor no. it's sanctification it's growth yeah. it's discipleship the metaphors are wrong in our head a yeah. lot of times exactly know? exactly yeah. and so and the means of our sanctification that god has called us to is uh is a bunch of fallen people together that he wants to use for his glory Right. So it is you in all your limitations mm-hmm. and all of your own struggles that God wants to use in that person's life. And so, uh, you know, there are all sorts of different ways to get a further equipped. Yeah. And that starts with just your own time in God's word. Mm-hmm. And there's um, resources there that you can study up and you, and you should pursue. But I think it starts mm-hmm. with just caring enough to be there and to engage and to invest with them. That wasn't a leading question to try and get a commercial. So <laughs> that was good. But no, I, I like where you took that. That's great. Um, speaking of which, are, are there any passages that you've been using lately or that are some of your favorite to go to um, when, when you are getting to know someone and starting to um, better enter into what they're struggling with? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, there's a number of different places we could go. I'm, I mean, I think, but there are there are probably some like passages that I typically tend to go to more often than, than not. Um, sometimes when I guess ask this question, actually, I, I'll, I'll tell people that the most common passages I use in counseling are most often whatever I was reading that morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and and I used to be embarrassed about that. I used to think, oh man, I'm just surviving on the skin of my teeth. You know, like I'm sure glad I read this morning. But I've come to realize that even regardless of how much biblical knowledge I have, the Lord oftentimes loves to use those things. Mm-hmm. He loves to use uh, the time, you know, to, to provide me something in his word this morning that he knows somebody else needs to hear this afternoon. Um, and so, I mean, I think that's kind of general, but more specifically, um, I. I think it was David Pallison who wrote once, and I can't remember where we, he talks about how you, you could counsel the entire human experience from the book of Ephesians. Mm. Um, and, and I've, I've taken him up on that. And so I don't really use anything else. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. But, um, but sometimes I will say sometimes it feels that way, right? I mean, because I think Ephesians provides such deep and rich and applicable content to so many different, different issues. And, um, one of the places I go a lot, particularly when just starting out with um, a counselee or somebody I'm discipling, is just the beginning of Ephesians and Ephesians 1, because regardless of what somebody's struggling with, um, inevitably it's because they're, they, they're getting their identity from somewhere other than, um, other than Christ. They're looking for fulfillment and joy in something other than Christ, right? They're they're worshiping other idols. They're they're, they're manifesting their own self worship ultimately, and that's because they've kind of lost sight of the glory of who God is and who He has made them to be, and and regardless of whether it it's a call to help a person um, walk away from their pornography whether it's uh, to deal with a tension or anger and fights in marriage, whether it's um, anxiety and just paralyzing fear. Like, I think before we tell somebody to not be afraid, before we tell them how to live, like, we need to be, the gospel tells us that we need to remind them first of who they are in Christ. Um, and then simply call them to live like who they actually are. But we can call them to live like who they are, but if they don't know who they are, 
right? Then it's it, it can feel really empty. And so I think it starts with in Ephesians one, uh, we just get this laundry list of of all the blessings we have in Christ. Like what's true because of who we are in Christ, right? It starts in 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 verse three, saying, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in Christ." with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So we start by just trying to comprehend what every spiritual blessing means. And, and he goes on, right, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, right? So we, we have this choice that God loved us and chose us as Christians, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption. So we're, we've been adopted into his family. We're holy and we're blameless. I mean, he, he goes on about, talks about forgiveness and how he's lavished upon us, his, his grace and all wisdom and insight. He talks about how in verse 11, how we have an inheritance, um, how we've been uh, predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things to the counsel of his will. Um, and then, I mean, in this, I mean, this goes on and it bleeds over even into chapter two, where he talks about how you were dead in your trespasses, but now you've been made alive. God in his rich mercies made us alive in verse five, um, together with Christ. Um, and, and we see all these incredible blessings of who we are in Christ. And to the extent that we can be reminded of who we are in Christ, it, rem- it reminds us that, oh, wait, I'm not called to live this certain way because, um, because that's how I earn my favor with God. That's not how I like be a good Christian, but God has so transformed me. And, and most people, I mean, I, I just ran through these things, but they, they need more than that. Or they need more than just hear them. Like most of the time we don't take time to stop and really meditate on these truths. And so I'll, I mean, just for, even for a few weeks, I'll just invite people to meditate on and sit in Ephesians one. And then when they're like, okay, okay, I get it. Yeah, this is true about God. Okay. I think I understand now. We'll be like, okay, do it again. (laughs) Right, just to to meditate on and sit on these truths, because you know Paul, as he wrote Ephesians, you know, and then we'll we'll get to instructions for life and how they're called to live in chapter four, specific instructions for husbands and wives and children and parents and just five. But there's a reason those are chapters four, five, and six, and not one, two, and three. And that's um, in one sense a very basic observation. but at the same time, it's, a, it's an incredibly profound one. And I find that lots of the people I counsel, even like a married couple I counsel, if you were to ask them, you know, what, what does the scripture say about marriage? They're like, oh, well, it probably says something in Ephesians 5. They're like, okay, well, how does Ephesians 5 relate to the rest of the book? They're like, I don't know. It's marriage tips. Like, right? Like, it's just marriage tips. But Ephesians 5 isn't marriage tips. Right? It's, a, it's a snapshot of the outworking of this new identity we have in Christ. And so it starts with reminding them of, of this gospel truth before we can ever uh, lead them into and, and, and instruct them in how they're called to live as people who, who have that identity. And so um, I think in all sorts of different um, settings and circumstances, I'll oftentimes come here and just spend time meditating there as we engage with um, what God's calling them to. You have to understand where, what people really need in contrast to what they think they need probably to do that, right? Did exactly. Because <laughs> exactly. they're looking for you to just turn to Ephesians 5 and fix things. Mm-hmm. And to have, what what's led to you having the confidence to then and, and the conviction to slow down and just soak in mm. chapter one? How oh, did you a, get there? Oh, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, I mean, in one sense, I'm not sure. I mean, in one sense, it's just kind of part of my own journey that the Lord's brought that that 
that conviction. Um, in a in a second way, I th- I think that um, we do have to recognize the deeper um, struggles that that people have and the deeper deeper motives that motivate these these problems that people don't even see themselves. I mean, I, I think a lot of people don't think of Ephesians one as a counseling passage. Right, like what's a counsel? What's a key counseling passage? I mean, I think a lot of like counselors, maybe counselors in the biblical counseling movement, might, but like the average small group leader probably doesn't. Um, but what's given me, I think, the confidence to slow down in that way. Um, well, number one is just the conviction of seeing it from the scriptures, right, and seeing how the place that it that the instructions of chapters four and five fit into the argument of Ephesians. So I think that's in one sense that's where it came from. But the confidence to do it over and come back there over and over comes from seeing it genuinely transform lives. Um, when people come in just wanting you to fix their marriage, but instead you help them to become more like Jesus and they get to see, begin to see the fruit of that in their marriage, even if every like piece isn't fixed the way, like the, the, they begin to transform. And, and as they see that change and transformation in one another's lives, um, it's... It's powerful. And, and it's also, I think, it's also telling. I mean, sometimes people will be like, I'll have them read Ephesians 1, and they'll read through Ephesians 1, they'll like meditate on it over the week, and they'll come back, and they're like, I don't get it, right? And I don't care. Like, just tell me what to fix. And you realize, like, wait, you're not actually interested in thinking deeper and more critically um, about the realities of your heart. You just want things to be fixed. And as a counselor, as a discipler, that, that's not my role, right? Like that's not my job description given by God to have people come to me and me fix them. My job, according to scripture, is to love them in such a way that helps them become more like Jesus. Um, and, and sometimes people aren't interested in that, right? And, so, and that's, that's a heartbreaking part of that as well, you know? And, and, but without that, Ephesians 5 isn't even possible, right? They're like, okay, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. It's not even possible um, without really understanding who, who we are in Christ. Well, thanks, Scott. It's been great to have you with us for this conference. Great to continue getting to know you more and then also um, hear these things. So it's been a pleasure. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Have you downloaded the IBCD resource app? The app not only includes IBCD's latest content, but also other voices from the biblical counseling world, including ACBC, CCF, and the Biblical Counseling Coalition. Download it today in both the Apple and Android stores.